The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner. Welcome to episode 208 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast alongside Jamie Eisner. The Natty Hattie. And no one else. We need like a cricket. Yeah, just, just us. Just the two of us. No. <laughs> we can podcast if we try. It's about to be just the one of you. <laughs> That's what this is going to be. And now that we've lost all of our listeners. Uh, Craig Morgan is dead. On assignment? Is he? I don't know. Is it? On like vacation. On vacation? Vacation. Vacation yeah. on location? Loca- yeah, on, on location vacation. Craig takes a lot of vacations. That's what I've decided. He does. Shockingly, nothing has happened yet today. No, not. Like you'd imagine not that, that we know with, with him off the grid that you know the entire league would fold or something. <laughs> or expand to 64 teams or yeah. something. Um, most of the main RFAs that we've been waiting to have re-sign or get offer sheeted, most of the main ones... Are still just out there. Like Mitch Marner is still out there. Miko Rontanen, uh, Braden Point, all these guys are just kind of hanging around. I feel like these deals usually, they always get done with the team that, that they're already on, but they typically get done pretty close to July 1st. Yeah, I mean, is Mitch Marner still being out there interesting to you at all? Because I, I can't no. find it inside of me to care at this point nobody's offer sheeting mitch marner that's the thing it's not it's not a like mitch marner fatigue i heard a show the other day where they were talking and they're like we need to stop talking about marner because people are just tired of hearing about him it's not that for me it's the fact that he's going to be on toronto i don't really care how much toronto has to pay him because as we've seen if they get stuck up against the cap other teams will bail them out anyway Uh, clearly i I mean same thing goes for Braden point where yes toronto and tampa can you can mess with them but I don't think anybody will because of their cap situation. Run in Colorado. Colorado's going to match any offer that's humanly possible out there. He's not going anywhere. I'm surprised he's not already just signed then. I mean, I hear you. I 100% I, agree. I, I, don't, I don't know, but there's also what's the sense of urgency from either side at the moment. I guess. I mean, I think that's, that's more of it than anything of now that there's really no offer sheet market out there, especially for a team like Colorado where everybody knows they have more cap space than they know what to do with. Yeah, yeah. It makes no sense. I mean, it, it, Patrick Line. I mean, if you had to pick one of these guys, who's the best chance of getting an offer sheet at this point? Even though we know the answer is none of them. Is it Line A? Point? Point. But it's a, that's like a 1% chance. If, if Eisenman gets really frisky or something? Yes. Like, I just, I don't, I just can't, I, I can't see, I don't, the only thing to me that would be interesting at this point is just seeing what Marner actually ends up signing for. The frisky Eisenman sounds like a Canadian band, doesn't it? Or yes, possibly the don't name look of the it show. up in the Urban Dictionary, though. I, I <laughs> no, feel like it could be something no. completely different. Yeah, absolutely, just stay away from Urban Dictionary with anything we say on this show. But because right, no matter what Marner signs for, it's going to be a controversy. There's no number that people are going to go universally say, "Yeah, you know what? That makes sense to me." Yeah. There's going to be that it wasn't enough. There was going to be that, pay, that he got paid too much. There's going to be all the stuff. I like the people that get angry on the players' behalf that it wasn't enough. Yes. Like Marner signs for nine point seven million a year, and there are people like that's not enough. He should have got nine point eight. Like, okay. okay. Well, hopefully that doesn't ruin your enjoyment of watching the game <laughs> that he's not being paid quite as much as you hoped. At least the other way, I get Leafs fans. Again, in theory, that team operates in a world where other teams would take advantage when they screw up. And so, if you're a Maple Leafs fan, you don't want them to overpay anybody because there is a salary cap in the NHL. But the other way, I've never understood it. Um, I mean, they still. I mean, looking at Toronto's team, they still have to make some moves here. 
I mean, the projected cash base is 3.7. I don't think that's going to be enough to get it done. No. I don't think you're signing Mitch Marner to a $3.7 million contract. Maybe Ottawa will just donate them the money they're not spending on their own players, because that seems to be I, their I know, new MO. Look, I, I wasn't here to talk about it, so I, I won't get too deep into it, because everybody heard last week. No, go but, ahead. But one, um, I by the way, I hated that trade for Colorado. With, the Colorado-Toronto uh, trade. Padre and Barry? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't hate it for Colorado, but, but Toronto... It, Toronto is a great deal. Maybe. The, the, maybe. They should. Uh, and again, the Ottawa bailing them out. Look, Cody Cece is not a good hockey player. No. But it's one year of not a good hockey player versus four years of not a good hockey player, which is a good trade for me. I don't know which one's the most egregious. You had Carolina bail Toronto out. You had Colorado, not bail Toronto out, but give them the, the piece I, they were missing. I, I don't understand that trade with Colorado standpoint. Nazem Kadri's a third line center. But Ottawa specifically, you're supposed to be rivals of Toronto. What are you doing? I, I, well, who knows what Ottawa's been doing? And, and Ottawa like took on extra, like they're going to pay somebody more money for more years, which also doesn't make sense because no. they don't have any freaking money in Ottawa. No, so I don't get any of that. But again, I I don't understand. Someone's going to have to explain to me the Colorado deal from their perspective because I think there's just a vast difference in how I view Nazem Kadri versus how they do. Well, because to me they traded a third line center and a top pairing defenseman for a third line center. So I don't understand this. Um. <laughs> Someone's gonna have to break that down to me. I know. I know. I, I know. Matt Lehman was all about Colorado's gonna win everything. A and, lot of people are. And Matt Lehman, who usually makes good points, did not make a good point there, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still iffy on Colorado. We can get into that later, but I, I, I don't understand that deal for them at all. I, I definitely think it favors Toronto. I don't hate it for Colorado as much as you do, but they did give up a top pairing defenseman. They don't really have like this amazing defense yet. Makar's going to be good. He's also going to be a rookie this year. Yes. I know he had like three good playoff games in a row, so now he's the second coming of Nick Lindstrom, but like I think we need some more time Maybe. before saying he's still I think he's going to be a good player, but there's a difference between he's going to have a great career and he's going to have a great season next year. That's the thing. Colorado needs him to have a great season next yes. year and that you cannot count on at all. I think Colorado got worse in that trade, at least for next year. I think they got slightly worse. I, I'm enjoying the fact that there's going to be a very noticeable rift between you and Colorado fans that listen to the show. That, already, is that going to be my team this a, year? It's, is it's, that going to be the one I have to... It's already begun. So who's the team you're adopting? Because I was ready to adopt Florida. So was I. For the, for the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I was a little... I mean, I, I took them in when, when we went to Vegas yeah. for the HL Awards. I took them in a futures bet, which was supposed to be 100-1, to 1 and the casino messed up, and it was really weird. And but it was not. I don't. I mean, the East is going to be stupid this year. Yeah, I know you guys were going last week of teams in and out. I could legitimately see, and I think I would predict four new teams in the East in the postseason next year. Well, yeah, that that was what I came to the conclusion that there are four locks to make the playoffs that we're in this year, and that was Toronto, yeah. Boston, Tampa, and Washington. Yes, and then the other four. I don't know that all four of Pittsburgh, Columbus, the Islanders, and Carolina are going to miss, but I think at least three will. Yeah, I mean, I, Fl- Florida, I think. Should get in. They have the talent at this point to get in. Philadelphia yeah. could. Philadelphia very well could if they New, stay healthy. New Jersey, I think, the, I, think I think the Rangers are good. I think the Rangers are pretty solid. I think the Rangers are in. Craig, yeah. remember Craig used to be on the show? Yeah, I've heard of him. He doesn't think they're necessarily a lock to, to get. But. Oh, I disagree. I think they're a, nobody's not, a lock, not lock, but I, like I think they're a the solid wild card contention. To yes. me, they're the front runner of the teams that they're missed. The, they're better than any of the teams in the tri-state area, the tri-state New York area. I felt like I heard something coming up the uh, the canyon walls here in Topanga. It's got mystical powers. I'm now. here with you guys. I'm here with you guys. This is outstanding. Is Craig the cowbell genie? Yeah, he really is. To shake you... the bell three times and he grants three wishes. And Craig will just appear. I just discussed three Blackhawk topics. 
actually. Yes, Stan Bowman grants three wishes for three other teams. Very limited genie. Very limited genie here. (laughs) It's the worst superpower ever. (laughs) Seriously. I wish I had superpowers right now to rework that trade. Well, Can we talk about this Henry Jokiharu trade? Yes, we purposely waited. The other Nylander. (laughs) The wrong Nylander? (laughs) The other Nylander. Another Nylander, whatever we want to call him. Not that Nylander. How about that? Yeah. The name of this week's show is going to be The Other Nylander, so just be ready for that. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Can, can you guys help me make sense of this? Because from my vantage point, I don't get it. Uh, Trade an up-and-coming right-handed defenseman. Uh, what do the Blackhawks need badly? Yeah, they need help on their blue line for a guy who is, uh, to date, underachieved. He had two goals last year. He hasn't even done well in the AHL. He's been okay. Yeah. Oh, but, you know, you have a first-pairing right-handed defenseman in Brent Seabrook that signed for five more seasons. Why would you need a young... Yeah, that's just rude. Why would you need a young... Hurtful. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. Thank you. Ring the bell on yourself. You. Bell yourself. By the way, uh, now that we're on that topic, uh, the Athletics, Dom Lashushin, that's how you pronounce it, Jamie, okay? Say it. Let me just hear you say it. Lashushin? Nice. Hey, I did it. You're a quick study. That's impressive. You I, did so, that, I did that Niederreiter thing a few weeks back. So You were so close <laughs> to saying Nachushkin, but you didn't. Yeah, Valeri. <laughs> <laughs> so we did uh, the 10 best contracts in the NHL. I didn't see any Blackhawks on, on the Athletic, But you know what's coming, the 10 worst contracts. And <laughs> I wonder where Brent Seabrook will rank. Uh, number two? Or are we thinking number two? I don't know, because I thought Nathan McKinnon would be number one on best contracts, and he wasn't. So that yeah, he's number four, what number four? Boston had two on there. Yeah, yeah. Luke and I have some questions about the surplus value equation on there, but we won't we won't get into that. Too no, much. We, we this is this is, the, this is about slandering the black. Yeah, we need so your, we need to stay on top. We need your pain from five hundred miles away or wherever you are. Well, okay. Well, Je- Brent Seabrook's definitely going to be on that list coming out of worst contracts. I'd be stunned if he's not in the top three. Bad contracts. Bad contracts. At any rate, just just from a. A superficial view of this trade. We, we know what John Chayka believes in. We know his his belief in premium positions and right-handed defensemen. Yeah, right right side defensemen are are unicorns in this league, right? Yeah. So why not trade him for a winger who is underachieved but shows some potential? I don't get it. I just don't get it. Help me understand this trade. Here, this is. Can you help me understand this trade? Probably not. But I have two thoughts. One. You know somewhere Stan Bowman thinks he just pulled off Adam Larson for Taylor Hall Part 2. That's One for one. That's a given. <laughs> uh, we had a number of listeners, including Jamie, who asked if, if maybe Stan Bowman thinks he got William Nylander, which I think is it's plausible. And yeah, Buffalo and Toronto are nearby. Yeah, so I mean, that's, that's close. You know, yeah, same region. We got a little confused. And then three, I just I like the fact that Bowman and Rutherford have embraced this let's race for the title of, of worst GM in the NHL this year, and they're both just going all in. I mean, I, I admire their commitment. Is this like karmic wheel spinning? Uh, is, is, do they need to balance things out? You know, you win three cups, you so you got to go the other direction now. I, 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 I Look, I get they, they have Adam Boquist, they have uh, Nicholas Baudin, they have... I'm trying to think. I'm blanking on the third one. Oh, Ian Mitchell. They have three defensemen that, that are developing, but none of those guys are really NHL-ready yet. And they did go out and acquire some veterans, so they're probably set for the immediate future. But the, are you certain about the upside? Is it a bad thing to have a surplus of talented defensemen and 
Again, why would you trade one for a wing? And, I don't get it. A wing that scored get four it. points. Like that's that's what I don't understand. Like, it's just like burning a hole in his pocket. Oh, we have so many potentially decent right-handed defensemen in the system. We got to get rid of some of them. Why? That's that's. I don't know. When I read Scott Powers' analysis, go ahead. No, I so said that's been an issue that's plagued this team for almost a half decade now. Why, why would you all of a yeah. sudden say, yeah, no, that, that's a position we can afford to lose? Yeah, they haven't had a high draft pick step in on defense since Nicholas Chalmerson. It's been a long time. They also haven't had a high draft pick and, on their team that they haven't traded since 2011. They've traded every first-round yeah, pick on this team from 2011 to 2017. So why do you have faith in this guy to lead you into the future, to paraphrase John McDonough? When when that's happening, when all of your first-round picks aren't panning out, I, I, and I know a lot of that falls on the scouting staff, too, So, and, and that's a, a, an area of this organization that I've had great faith in, but again, I... I I'm just baffled by this one. I'm just baffled by this trade. And, you know, it was telling to me, too, in reading Scott Powers' piece, he talked about, you know, this was obviously Stan Bowman that pulled the trigger, but Jeremy Colleton had some say in this as well. So neither one of them appeared to have as much faith as Joel Quenville did have in Henry Chokiaro. Why would you you care about Joel Quenville's opinion of anything? Well, they've they've tried to wash him from the the history of the Blackhawks because you know he was he was so bad for that organization, only winning three cups. There is a point I, I do think it's important to make because I I did see I texted you guys this last night that Dylan Strom was trending on Twitter after this trade. Yeah, that was weird. And the reason why is because I saw a lot of Blackhawks fans using the Dylan Strom trade in the second half as justification for why this could be a good deal. Right. Where do we want to begin made, with the they, flaws? They've already closed the book on that trade, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's over. 50-some games, and, and oh, yeah, Dylan Strom is absolutely a steal, and he's going to keep doing what he did last year. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I don't a, see it, happening, by the way. You no, know, it's over, Craig. I don't know if you heard. John Chaika's a moron. The Blackhawks got the great player, and Dylan Strom's putting up 80 points next year. It's done. And, I don't even know why we're And also, about. apparently, Nick Schmaltz retired, yeah. too. I mean, because he was hurt, he will never produce points again. Right. I don't... Right. I don't think this trade... This is just cutting old wounds now. (laughs) Yeah, that's basically why we wanted you to call in. Um, I I don't think this trade is, like, catastrophic for the Blackhawks. I mean, it's possible Nylander pans out, but it is... It just... It speaks to the bigger picture of what you're talking about, of this is just such a Stan Bowman trade of, well, that winger might be good. Defense doesn't matter. Here we go. And, and yeah, Yeah, I mean, honestly... The Blackhawks do... Go ahead. Well, just uh, what you were saying, too. Like, Joe Quenville liked this guy. That means nothing. Let's just disregard it. Yeah, and then you hear the you know, the whistles. Oh, they they thought he may have been a little soft. I God, I hate that phrase. I hate that phrase for for a skilled player, a guy who who just plays defense a different way and probably could have developed. But you know, he had some of the skills and he had the hockey sense, the hockey IQ that would have helped him. There was some talk in Scott Power's story that oh, that you know, they thought the hockey IQ got him this far this quickly, but they're concerned about how much more he was going to progress. He's a smart player with the basic skills re- required to play in the NHL. Why is that in doubt? I, I don't know. I'm lost. And again, I know the Blackhawks really, really like to go after skill, and sometimes it's to the detriment of other areas. It just that's that's what this trade feels like. But is, to me, in, in taking a risk on Nylander? Is Alex Nylander a skill player? Like what? He what does are his have good skills? He does have good skills, but he they he haven't showed it in North America. Skills. Yes, exactly. He's definitely the other Nylander, until proven otherwise. 
Because he, mm-hmm. he is, I mean, there is there is talent there, and you can. I understand how you could look at that and be like, "Wow, he was the eighth pick by Buffalo just a couple years ago." Like, yeah, I want that guy on my team. But that's typically something you do as a fan, not as a GM of a team. Now, you don't trade away a guy that you know, like you said, Craig is is a right handed defenseman. That it's not like he was a first pairing guy for you, but he's young and he showed some flashes last year. You don't trade that guy away for a lottery ticket. I, I don't hate Nylander, but he's kind of a lottery ticket right now. Yeah, yeah, that's how I felt. I, I feel like I feel like Joe is a better player overall. I do. I, I think uh, maybe Nylander has a nice upside for a top six role. I don't see it myself, but I just feel feel like they gave away the better player and they gave away again a premium position. You can't have enough of those guys in your system. I just picture you in the forest somewhere in California calling in to just vent. Is that what's going on? <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to uh, taking the kids to Six Flags Magic Mountain today, so I can uh, I can take out some of my frustrations there. Oh, okay, good. That's that's perfect. There is something I <laughs> want to ask Craig based off last week's show, since I was so abruptly kicked off. And <laughs> well, that was Luke. Sure, because the hat store was looking does, for you. He does control the board. By the way, uh, just for the listeners to know, that hat store turns out it's 30 seconds from where I live. Yeah, that was not I, intentional. I, that was that's very, hilarious. I found that driving back home. Uh, I need to know one thing, Craig. Why do you want Ringo Starr to die? Yeah, that is probably how it was interpreted, wasn't it? No, it it was not interpreted that way by anybody other than Jamie and Matt. (laughs) I think a couple people wondered if I watched Ringo Starr to die. Mm. I don't. I just, you know, all things being equal, if I had to choose the last surviving Beatle, he'd probably be fourth on my list. (laughs) I just, whenever Craig talks about the Blackhawks, I just, I I take it with a grain of salt and I basically give you like a five minute buffer after any Stan Bowman trade is announced or discussed on this show where you can basically say whatever you want. And that buffer, honestly, it may extend even further as I start to feel your pain with, uh, with Jim Rutherford because I'm pretty much guaranteed to say something I regret on this podcast at some point this year. I think we should call that five-minute segment carte blanche, Craig. <laughs> we should get a drop. Who's in so you let me know when it's begun. Well, yeah. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm dreaming about drops, Luke. At this point, it just feels like a pipe dream. But <laughs> it, it, it would be pretty cool to have that. So I, I appreciate that, actually. I, I appreciate you extending me that, that courtesy, and I'll, I'll do likewise for you. Carte blanche, Craig. And it, it, it will start with the cowbell. Yeah, we'll, yes. Yeah. And, and the yeah. cowbell and will we'll, signify we'll the, the end. We'll do for you, and we'll figure out how you want to spend those five minutes attacking Jamie. Um, I probably did I say that on the air? Yeah, that's, that's, fine. that's a whole different thing. The people know. But yeah, in that same vein, have you made any progress on your duck yet? Me, no. yeah. where's the duck? Who, who else am where's I talking to, Luke? I don't know. They're, we're the only two people in the studio. Just, I thought it would be rude looking at you. to have a conversation while Craig's calling in on on probably a burner phone that has like three minutes left. We should we should <laughs> use this time wisely. There will be he a called duck. us collect. There, <laughs> yeah, he did. That's true. This is on the company bill. Uh, there will be there will be a duck by the start of training camp. Don't you worry. All right, I'm by the worry. start of training camp. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go back to the California sunshine and forget about the Blackhawks for a day. All right. Good luck with that, Craig. Record a good show, guys. Uh, probably. Is Matt Lehman not there, by the way? He's not. Out of pure laziness on our part, and we realized we should probably. Well, who's call our? Him. I had nothing to do with this. this well, is pre- pre- pl- uh, I can't even speak. Yeah, see, Pure laziness on your part. I asked Jamie for his input, and he was like, eh, who's Matt? So by then, it was just kind of like, all right, well, the, the, the computer in here is not working, and we want to get Craig on the phone. And it's just been chaos, Craig. You know when you leave, everything falls apart, and I'm stuck here with Jamie. Mm. It's, uh, I'm sorry, Matt. I'm, I'm apologizing to Matt right now. Matt's probably. not listening. He doesn't yeah. listen to yeah, shows. That's, he's the, not on. that's the thing. If Matt was listening, I'd apologize, too, but he's made it quite clear he doesn't listen. 
All right. Say whatever you want. I'm going back to Southern California. <laughs> what a jerk. All right. See you see next you. week, guys. See ya. see ya. All right. Craig Morgan calling in. Maybe we should ring the bell one last time for just Craig. Just in his honor. Yeah. Just, yeah. That, see, that's, that's good stuff right there. All right. So Craig is off enjoying life. Uh, I'm assuming he took this vacation because of the Blackhawks trade. That's. <laughs> I think he needs it now. I, again, I just don't get it. Like we we don't have to harp on this anymore. I don't get it positionally. I don't get it for the player talent wise. I understand the flawed prospect for flawed prospect deal. As a baseball fan, you see it all the time. I just, but it, it doesn't apply here for Chicago. You like, said I don't get flawed it. prospect. I really thought you were trying to say thought process. No, but it wasn't. No, um, I, I don't think it's as bad. But it's just like if this was the only trade that Bowman had made. I just feel pressure to rhyme the next line. I can't do it. Oh, you did, kind of. Kind rhyme of. the next line. Um, it wouldn't bother me at all. And and look, it wouldn't shock me if Nylander becomes a 25-goal player in this league, but he hasn't shown it at all. And to trade away a premium position guy that you need, it's not like Chicago has a good defense right now. They have guys potentially on the way up. It's just it's it's so in line with everything else he's done. But it wouldn't shock me if Nylander goes there and produces. He ends up on a line with Kane or something and it, ends up scoring. It's the principle of it. It's not like Jokohara is not going to be a star. I don't think Nylander is going to be a star. You, you, you're not dealing with. You didn't trade Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. Yeah, no, okay? these, like, these that's are not minor players. Is. Yeah, but it's just the principle of the matter that you are trading a premium position in the league in a premium position that you need as a team as a, at a weak spot for you for a completely unproven player that I think is maybe has third line upside. Now, if, if they believe he has more, then sure. I just don't know if I believe in their talent evaluation when it comes to these trades. Well, I mean, what did you say? No first round picks are left from 2011 to 2017? Yeah, all of, them are, all of them have been traded. And some of those guys have been really good players, They're, but they've been just dealt away. Now, I'm confused because you're, you're saying that they shouldn't do this trade, but you're wearing a shirt that says, just do it. So it's, it's, a, it's a very conflicting message that you're sending everybody. One last point before we get off this. On well, the Dylan, go back to Strom, too. Yeah, that's what I'm okay. talking about, the yeah. Dylan Strom stuff, which is, one, he had a good half season. He had a really good half season. But if you watched in those last 20 or so games of the season, he really fell off again. I don't know he's, if he's going to be playing with Patrick Kane this year. His shooting percentage when he was on the ice, someone said it was 13%, which is a massively high, which means there should be some significant regression there. He's still struggling to skate. His defense is still poor. I'm not ready to say that Dylan Strome is going to be the 60 or 70 point player, which I think many in the Blackhawks community, if not most, believe he's going to be. Uh, I think the thought process there is we got a guy that was number three overall pick. The Coyotes gave up on him too early and look, he can score. And that's part of the story, maybe, but (laughs) you're leaving out the fact that the Coyotes quote, gave up on Strom, unquote, because you gave them Nick Schmaltz, who provides speed and point production up the middle. And by the way, Schmaltz was producing at about the same point production level that, that Strom was before Schmaltz got hurt. Was it 14 points in 17 games? Yeah. I like Strom as as a person, and there are aspects of his game I really do like, and I'm rooting for him, even though he's on the Blackhawks. But... I, it's a very close-minded approach people are when they declare that trade over when Nick Schmaltz played 17 games and Dylan Strom went on a hot streak playing alongside Patrick Kane. And to break it. Like, I mean, again, if he plays on that line, I expect him, for the full season, I do expect him to be to produce. North, north of 50 points for the season. But he's, he's still not good defensively. No, he's terrible defensively. Like, just, it's, it's, not a, it's not so much an effort thing. It's just he's just he doesn't have the foot speed to get back. He gets, deep in, he gets deep into the offensive zone and then just cannot get back in time. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot. If you watch, like, isolate, if you, if you watch the Blackhawks, isolate Dylan Strom for a game. 
and watch the things he does. He's great with the puck on his stick. He, that's never been the concern. The concern's never been his actual stick skill. Offensive hockey instincts are some of the best I've seen in the last couple yes, of years which, from, from a player that's been drafted in the last couple of which years. Which is why he went where he did. Yeah. But there are still deficient areas of his game, and if he is not playing with those two other superstars on his wing, he gets exposed. It's, it's entirely possible we look back in three years and we're like, ah, you know what? Schmaltz was good, but Strom was better, and Chicago won that trade. But to make that Def- definitive analysis now it's it's basically like you went to a restaurant and you paid for your food and your food yet because they're cooking it and you're like well i got ripped off it's not here that's basically what this is yes we've seen maybe a quarter of this trade take place so far and, and to make the point i don't think that dylan strome is a bad player i think he can have success in the nhl i said that even when he was with the coyotes but i don't think he's a 70 point player People again. I'm, and if you're setting the bar at him at 70 points, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Well, good. It's, it's fun when Blackhawks fans are disappointed. We've seen it. We just saw it for the we're, last yeah, 10 heard minutes it. with Greg called in. Uh, let's get to. Have we? Have you finished your Colorado points? Do you want to wrap that up because you didn't really get to vent on this last week? Look, and I, I want there to be this huge rift between you and Colorado fans all season. I want that to happen. I'm just not convinced that this team is even that good right now. Like if I if I had to pick today, gun to my head. This we did this last week. We picked we didn't do the gun to the head, but we did pick. I'm, I'm glad you didn't do that. We picked uh we picked two teams from each conference that we're going to miss. You didn't get to do it cuz you weren't here. No. So give me your two teams from the in, west. In the west it would be San Jose and Colorado. It's well, San Jose. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I, their goaltending is scares me. And I think now you've you've lost a few, you know, you've lost Pavelski, you've lost Thornton. I, Again, I'm just a little nervous. If they have any injuries on that blue line, that could be a team. Again, I think you might only have to fall 10 points to miss the playoffs next year. Well, what's tough, and we kind of realized this last week as we were doing the exercise, it's... There's not going to be as much turnover in the West as there is in the East. It's not even going to be close. No, but I mean, every year we say this, like, oh, who's going to drop out? I believe it's been at least three teams in the West, at least from the previous year to last year. Yeah. You look around and you go into the season, you're like, well, yeah, I think so-and-so is going to be better and this team's going to be better, but who's going to drop out? Teams drop out every year. But it was tough to, at least for me, to pick. I don't even remember who I picked last week. I think I said Nashville out of desperation. Have, yeah. I mean, look, there are a lot of teams in the West that got incrementally worse, but I just... I mean, is Winnipeg, did Winnipeg get worse enough to fall out? Did Nashville so. get win- worse enough to fall out? No, I don't think so. I actually don't think Nashville. I mean, honestly, but... <laughs> I'll just pull up the teams that made it last year. Like St. Louis isn't missing. Winnipeg isn't missing. Dallas was the team that I would have definitely said, but then they added Pavelski. Yeah, I think Dallas got better. Look, the goaltending won't be as good, but I think they got better up front. And so I think they kind of even, I think they're a wild card team. I don't think Dallas is a cup contender, but no. that's going to be a tough team to play. Vegas isn't missing. I don't Vegas think. Vegas might be the best team in the West. I mean, I guess maybe there's a world where Calgary misses because of goaltending, but they didn't really have that much good goaltending this year, and they yeah. made it. I mean, I just think they're just enough. They have enough pieces up front. Yeah, and on the and on the blue line to kind of sustain it, but it's possible if they just get the most abysmal goaltending of all time. So you think Colorado? I mean, to be fair, Colorado is the tearly snuck in last win, year. Yeah, they had what thirty five wins, thirty six wins, thirty thirty eight. They were thirty eight, thirty and fourteen okay, last so, year. Here's the here's the, my my concerns with Colorado, and I know everybody's enamored with them. One, I know they have a ton of cap space, but cap space doesn't score points. Right, they haven't done anything without. They don't use it. No, and they have to. They have to spend money on Miko Rantanen. That top line is the best top line in the Western Conference. I don't think there's really any argument there. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, Boston's. I would say was better in the league overall, but Colorado's is right there. And Colorado's is still up and coming. Like it's going to be the best in the league for yes. a while. Yes, I mean, I mean, Nate, Nate McKinnon could end up being the second best player in hockey next year. 
Like it's it's very possible. Yeah, he might. He's he's borderline there. I'm trying to think of another. I, I guess maybe when Ottawa gives Brady Kachuk to Toronto for like a hubcap, maybe to help them out. But that's about it. That's the only way I could see a line really getting up that to that level. Yeah, it, it's. But to me, the rest of that forward group is not good. Like look, look go on Daily Faceoff right now. As you're listening to this I'm, podcast. I'm not going to because you're bossing me around. And, and look up the Avalanche, what their projected line combinations are. And, and don't worry about who's playing who so much as just look at the names. Look at the other forwards on that team. Right now, their second line quotes Nazem Kadri, Andre Burakovsky, and Tyson Jost. None of those players are second line players to me. Those are three third line players. And and I think Don Squay is a third liner, JT Comfort, Colin Wilson. I, I, I don't I think that it the is a massive drop off after that first line. A oh, it is. massive, massive drop off. Where I don't think their second and third lines are even that competitive with the other playoff teams in the conference. I think you can get away with Kadri as your second line center, but you are you're asking for his ceiling. You you're asking for a lot. And you're asking and you don't have as good of players around him. No. I don't think if you think Andre Burakovsky is ready to have a thirty goal season out of nowhere, sure. I, do I don't not. I don't see that. He hasn't done that. He's been in the league five years now. Not saying there's not a little bit more upside with Burakovsky, but we haven't seen it yet. Uh, Nikita Zadorov. Like, uh, so you, you've got three second pairing defensemen and three third pairing defensemen on that team? Yeah. I, I don't understand trading do, away Tyson Barrett. Do you think Grubauer is going to be one of the 10 best goalies in the league? I don't. I think he could be in the top 20. I think he could be in that middle of the, you know, middle of the starting caliber goalies, which is fine. But where is this team elite outside that first line? When you take, there's going to be 43 minutes a game when that first line's not on the ice, and they are considerably worse than all of the other top playoff teams when that's happening. Uh, Jared Bednar, by the way, was uh, given a two-year extension as if to celebrate this uh, this momentous occasion with Jamie. I, look, I, the Grubauer thing is the biggest question. We talked about this a couple weeks ago because he was outstanding for them, but he hasn't played to that level consistently throughout his career so that's a question if he comes back next year and plays like that again well then they're definitely a playoff team if he is just league average goalie I still think that top line is so elite it can get you in but they're not a lock because again teams are going to drop out in the west and Vegas and Winnipeg are not going to be two of those teams right right off the bat there's and I think I mean there's just there's teams that are that are clawing their way in here there's um Pro Hockey Talk has their list of five non-playoff teams that could make the postseason next year, yeah. and their five playoff teams that could drop out. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, teams that could drop out. All right, that sounds. That's, is, is that one more difficult for you to scroll to? Because that's, that's exactly that the one I wanted. Uh, they go Columbus number one. Okay, we duh. agree. Yeah, duh, they don't have any players left. Carolina number two. I agree with that. Okay. Uh, Islanders. Yeah. Penguins. Yeah. Blues. Yeah, I don't see that. I don't know about the Blues dropping out. Like I said about the Blues, they they were never going to be as bad as they were the year. They weren't going to be as good as they were to finish the year. They're going to kind of be somewhere in the middle. They remind me in some ways of the first Kings team that won the Cup. And I want to be careful because the, the way they play doesn't remind me of them. But just that first year the Kings won the Cup, everything went their way. Yeah. Everything went their way. And... I mean, look, St. Louis had a, a, a hand pass goal that went against them. It did not go their way. So it's, it's not like everything went their way. But I just think St. Louis is, is, is definitely a playoff team, and they're definitely not winning the Cup again next year. I agree on that. Like I said, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Avalanche make the playoffs. I mean, they could be a wild-card team, but I, I do not understand the people that are looking at them as a Cup contender. There, there are way too many warts on this team right now to be even close to the Cup. I'll give Pro Hockey Talk this. They, uh, their list of five teams that are going to jump in, 
they did four Eastern Conference teams and one Western Conference team. And that's about right because there, I think there's going to be massive turnover. Well, but that's in the what I'm East. saying. They dropped four out and brought yeah. one in, and now a, a day later they put the article up where they they add four and they drop uh, or they add one in from the West. They have Florida, Montreal, Philadelphia, and the Rangers getting in. Um, we do forget a lot about Montreal. I feel like when we talk about teams that are going to climb in because. It almost feels like they made it. They had more points than three of the playoff teams from the West, but they didn't make it. They're also a team I thought overachieved a little bit last year. Like I don't think they're going to be a bad team, but I don't see more upside there. And and maybe that's where we can get in trouble saying we're projecting teams from behind them to get that many more points. But like I take Montreal, I think I would do that. I might. I'm just I'm nervous about. Montreal. Well, I would take the Rangers over Montreal okay, and Florida yeah. over Montreal. Yeah, too. I would too. And those. Are I the mean, Montreal, Montreal deserves to be in the. Con- they absolutely deserve to be in the conversation. I just feel like they get they kind of get lost in hockey purgatory because you almost feel like they made the playoffs, but they weren't in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and then they have the Blackhawks being the team from the West, that, which I, I, I absolutely could see. I happening. could see two teams from the West. I would say that could didn't get in that could get in. I, I look at Arizona and my two teams would be as well if I got to participate in last week's exercise. <laughs> You did. I just let you do it. Here's the teams that missed in the West last week, or last year. Last week. Last week, too. None of them were playing last week. Uh, Chicago, Minnesota, Arizona, Vancouver, Anaheim, Edmonton, and L.A. Yeah, of those, of those, to me, yeah. it's Chicago and Arizona. I, wanna, I don't think Edmonton's going to make it. I want to see what they do with Tippett. They've got I, a I'm, ton I, of questions. I'm curious, but yeah, that roster's not very good. But again, is that... I mean, if you really want to look back, and the league is different, a lot has changed, but is that roster worse than the roster Tippett stepped into in training camp in Arizona? Because I don't know. I don't think it is. Well, that's the thing. Tippett is, is this is what he's good at. He's good at, at, at getting a team to overachieve in the regular season. Yes. And so we've never seen him with a player like Connor McDavid. Now, we've seen him with Mike Madonna. I mean, we've seen him with good scoring yeah, but, forwards. Yeah, but he hasn't had this high-end upside. Yeah. You know, he's had to kind of piece things together without that. They've had to work around not having that high-end upside. So I just think that Edmonton, is, I don't think they're a playoff team, but I think they're going to be a tougher team to beat most nights now. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if they stuck into a Who would shock you from the West? LA? It would be the two teams in Southern California. Yeah. There seems to be a lot of optimism around the Ducks randomly this last last week and a half, and I don't understand it. But I think people just remember they were in the league. Yeah, I mean, look, Gibson's great, but that's I'm going to stop there okay. with, with, with Anaheim. <laughs> uh, I like shock. Raquel. Raquel's good. Yeah, I like whatever. going to Anaheim to watch a game. Is yeah, that I mean, sure? They get points for that. No, there's really good pizza by the arena. I'm just going to keep saying this. Where's the? Re- Never mind. Where's the Off arena? Here. No, I know where the arena has been there a, a bunch, oh. but I didn't know where the good pizza it's, is. It's it's like a good. It's maybe like five to. Uh, it's like five miles away, but it's okay. really good. Uh, not sponsoring the show yet, though, so they don't get their. No, I'm not. I'm surprised there. we don't have an Anaheim Pizza Shop that's sponsoring the show. I, I, We've talked so much about the Ducks in the last <laughs> six months. <laughs> Anytime I go to California, I go to the pizza shop. Uh, Kevin LeBanc signing a one-year deal to stay with the Sharks. It helps. I mean, I mean he's, yeah. he's for one million dollars. Yeah, that was odd. Well, this is why I say this is why the league doesn't get rid of RFA status because teams can still do things like this. Is because it, the player has no power in this scenario, really. Pete Alonso made as much money for winning the home run derby as Kevin LeBlanc's going to make next hey, year. That's my gimmick to, to make cross. I know that's why I did it because you weren't doing it. Well, yeah, what, 17, 17 goals, fifty something points last year. I yeah, mean, he's he's, a, he's, he he's a good player for them. The Sharks are going to be an interesting team. They really are because they, they have lost some talent, but do they have enough to sustain them making the playoffs? I mean, I mean, every time we just the exercise we just did. Like, would you be shocked if we had the same playoff teams in the West next year? I know it's not going to happen because it almost never happens like that. Would you really be shocked? All eight teams? Yeah, yeah I'd be shocked. Really? I, j- just because it never happened. So I'm trying to find this the in the NHL okay. offseason. Have you seen this list? 
Uh, I can do it from memory. Cause, well, because yeah, uh, you have the- just a blank screen in front of you. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> no, but that's not even the right oh. one. Um, it is the Rangers, the Devils, okay. Colorado. I, I how? <laughs> so how? Dallas how? and Arizona. Those are the five. I need you to pull up the article to read me and read me word for word the Colorado section. Tell I, me how that I, team improved. I would love to, but this computer is actually I'll just, make it happen. It's, it's it was from the Knights of the Round Table era. So obviously, Jer- Jersey's ma- Jersey's is that a real era. I have no idea. Okay, I was just ignoring you and right, moving on. To talk about New Jersey. Well, let me just do your work for you then while you talk about New Jersey. New Jersey is making this. Basically, they're making a one-year run here. They're they're courting Taylor Hall. That's what they're doing right now. They're trying to see can they get back in contention? Can they make the Devils a place where Taylor Hall wants to sign his next contract? That is why they get Wayne Simmons for one year. They obviously had some draft lottery luck in the last couple of years that has afforded them some really good, it's affording them some really good talented players. And that's down only the middle. because they have Taylor Hall. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he's, he's the, they're interesting to me. I'm not sure out in the East of could jump in. I'm less sure about the Devils than I feel about the Rangers or the Panthers or maybe even the Montreals of the world. The Rangers clearly got a lot better. I like them more. Do you still need me to stall more time? Because it looks like you're having trouble. No, stop. I am, but I, I'll just talk so instead because this, this is difficult to listen to. New Jersey's not a lock to be a playoff team. They are definitely one of the most improved teams. Sure. That's, that, I don't think that's even debatable. Okay, I, again, I'll give them credit. They went through every team in the league. And uh, yeah, okay, so here we go. They broke them into tiers. And that top five I told you is the teams that are significantly better. Rangers one, Devils two, Avalanche three, Stars four. Coyotes five. Um, I'm trying to read through why they think Colorado's that much better. Yeah, someone someone needs to work me through it. It has to be a, just a weird perspective about how good Nazem Kadri is. They're loaded with young impact defenders. These are their words, not mine. And by trading Barry, they found a perfect second line center to complement McKinnon. Okay, well I disagree with that. Who are their besides Kale McCarr? Who's going to come up and play? I mean Gerard. Yeah, he's a good young player, but they didn't add him. They didn't add Kale McCarr. No, I guess the argument Kevin is... Kevin Connaughton? Is, 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 is that the... They're so loaded that they don't need Tyson Berry. I don't agree with they that. They had such a great offseason. They added Nazem Kadri and Kevin Connaughton and yeah, Andre Burakovsky. But you, like, you gave up a lot to get Kadri. If they had just added Nazem Kadri, Would you rather absolutely. have... Ty, put this in a vacuum. Would you okay. rather have Tyson Berry and Alex Kerfoot, or would you rather have Nazem Kadri, Andre Burakovsky, and Kevin Connaughton? Right now. And how close is it? Uh, I think it's closer than you're saying. But, but it's not close enough to be one of the most improved teams in the no, NHL. No, it's, uh, at best, it's close. I want, Jonas Donskoy is throwing him in there, too. I keep forgetting about him, but yeah, still. But he wasn't really part of the, the cadre trade. No, but I just mean, like, total additions they've made this offseason versus total subtractor, but a lot worse on the blue line. Like, I I don't know. I think Toronto's but, a lot more improved than Colorado this a- Absolutely. And they're not in the top five. This uh, is going to be the point of contention for me all season. I'm going to have to... Somehow people are going to think I hate the Avalanche when it's just I just hate the idea of the Avalanche. <laughs> well, I'm just going to edit that part out where it says idea of um, the teams they have <laughs> bad teams that have stayed the same. This is all the way down at the bottom of the list. Montreal, that's a little harsh. Montreal's not a bad team. No. Uh, Philadelphia, well, I'll take it just because it's Philadelphia. That's a weird list. Edmonton, Ottawa, Detroit, Anaheim, and L.A. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean, those teams didn't do much. Yeah. Uh, the first two teams that deserve to be on the list. Montreal is not a bad team. They, they had be, 96 points yeah. last year. <laughs> Mad teams that did nothing. How do we get to a point where I'm defending Montreal? Uh, you haven't got to talk about the Kessel trade, really. Yeah, I, I only mentioned it briefly on the show last week. That's their reasoning for having the Coyotes. I, I do think the Coyotes are one of the more improved teams in the in the league, but I, I, adding into the equation for me is the fact that they added Soderberg for a Basically nothing off of yeah. what they were going to play. That's part of it for me. So uh, my thing about the Castle trade, and it's not that I don't like the Castle trade. I do. 
I like it less than I think most of Coyotes Nation or whatever we call them. Or I don't want to call them the pack. That would make but, a lot of sense. But everybody else uh, thinks of it. And, and he, here's my concern. I don't think you're getting a 30-goal, 80-point player in Phil Castle. I don't think with the current roster construction of the Coyotes and the system that they play that that's the player that's coming here. I think you are getting a 25-goal, 65-ish point Phil Castle. There's nothing wrong with that. That is a good player to add to your team. But I'm not sure that's a franchise changer. And just if all things are healthy... And all things considered, I would not be shocked to see Galchenyuk and Kessel finish with a similar amount of goals next season. And, um, I, and I don't think that's a necessarily bad thing. I'm just saying, again, I like the deal. I think it approves them this year. But there's this the narrative is now that the Kyrs have solved their goal scoring problems. And I understand why that is being thrown out there. I understand why there's optimism there. I just don't think that's the case yet. Again, I think, look, if they get a 30 goal, 80 two-point Phil Kessel, then I'll be absolutely wrong, and the Cavs will have solved, at least for temporarily, that problem. I just don't think that's the player you're going to get in Arizona. I think it's going to be, to reiterate, a 25-goal, 65-point player, which still would have been the best player on the team last year, but I don't think that's a franchise changer. I think that they... Okay, there's a few different ways to go with this. First of all, I like Galchenyuk. I mean, I liked him before he was a Coyote, and I wanted the Coyotes to trade for him, and then they did, and ended up trading him away. Uh, I think it's still a good trade for the Coyotes. I was hoping they could do it without giving up Galchenyuk. He is only signed for one more year, uh, so there's no guarantee he would have been here beyond this upcoming season anyway. Kessel will be. I tend to agree with you that, I mean, Kessel's not going to put up the numbers here that he put up playing alongside Malkin. If you watch the Penguins' power play, it was Malkin at the point. It was Latang at the point, who is an excellent defenseman. He just has no other defenseman on that team to work with. But on the power play, you have those two essentially working the point, and then Crosby doing all the work behind the net and feeding it to Kessel. So they're going to have to find somebody. I, I want to see who he plays with. If he plays with Stepan, I mean, Stepan does a lot of that dirty work he doesn't get credit for. If he plays with Schmaltz, I think Schmaltz is probably the one that could maybe actually help him produce the most points on the uh, the Coyotes roster. Agreed. I th- I still think he'll be productive, um, but like I said, my optimism for this team being improved is more based on the big picture of you added Carl Soderberg, even if it's only 15 goals, for a guy that wasn't going to play. You, I'm assuming, are going to be healthier this year because last year was ridiculous. And Kessel's an upgrade over Galchenyuk, but... I don't have a problem with people saying, oh, the Coyotes are so improved because they added Kessel. I just think that misses a, a pretty big chunk of the picture. But at the same time, given the Coyotes situation, I don't think it's a bad thing for them to get that sort of buzz around the team. No, it, it, it's a good thing. But to me, when I look at the if – if we did a, like a segment that said reasons why the Coyotes would make the playoffs next season, I still think the biggest reason would be health. Was that the guys that they had – coming back and playing mostly a full season healthy. Yeah. Number two, I think it's bounce back seasons. I think it's, do you get more, because you should, from Derek Stepan. You should get more from Clayton Keller, for example. And then third would be the addition of Phil Castle. And again, I'm not saying it's not a good addition. Well, where do you put goaltending defense? Because that actually would probably be number one. Well, again, assuming... I'm just saying improvements. You're saying improvements. Okay. I'm just saying improvements from last year. Like, to take everything from last year is the same. What, what, is, what is different? Okay, okay. Health... Health underperformers performing again, and then I think the addition of Phil Castle. Yeah, I, just to me, all I'm saying is it's a, I like his addition here. I'm just I'm trying to be qualified here because I don't want this to come off as I don't think this was a good move. No, you hate the Avalanche, and you, you're not really excited about the Castle trade. <laughs> I'm just not as excited as everybody else seems to be. 
Well, that's pretty standard with you on everything, life, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm just saying, I think temper expectations is important. I, I think looking at what Phil Kessel could do, because if, if Phil Kessel plays with like Derek Stepan and Christian Dvorak or something, or, or, or Stepan and Grabner or whatever on a line, just be, just be realistic about what you expect his point total to be, because he's not playing with Malkin. He doesn't have that talent on the power play, as you mentioned. Like, it, it, it's not go- you're not going to get the same Phil Kessel that you would get if he played on the Penguins next year. But That's I, all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I agree. But I, I also think that you have to look at the other side of the sense of it, it's, it's good for the Coyotes to get that excitement around the team. The players are excited he's going to show up. I think it, it, it's, there's value to the fact that they showed they're willing to go out and, and add a player for three years that is high profile, that wanted to come here, and they're willing to pay him. For whatever reason, some people still need to hear that the Coyotes are willing to go over the cap floor. They've been over the cap floor, but whatever. But yes, but that 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 just drives it home. And I, there's if there's more excitement about the team. We were talking last week. There was there was a really good turnout for the red white game on Friday night a couple weeks ago. Now, I mean, the whole basically the whole lower level was filled. Yeah. That could be more so than we've seen in past years. A, a lot. Like it was a significant difference. Yeah, it was like legitimately packed. Yeah. And then they traded for Kessel the next day. I mean, obviously, people weren't showing up to see Kessel because he's not a prospect, and that trade hadn't happened yet. So there's already buzz around this team, and to your point, I think it is it is based on the fact that they barely missed the playoffs, and they did it with an absurd number of injuries. So now you add a guy that's a legit goal scorer, whether he gets you 35 or not. Um, by the way, how amazing is it that Redeem Verbata got the Coyotes 35 goals like six years ago? Yeah. It's just finally now sinking in how difficult that probably was. Absolutely. Again, I, I want to make this point clear. I like the trade. I don't see this blowing up in their face. I feel this is a very pretty fairly low risk trade, even as much as I like Alex Galchenyuk. Yeah, they, it's not a knock on Pierre Olivier Joseph either. They just they have Soderstrom. They have a, a couple other guys. To me, I thought they gave up a little bit too much in the context of I thought they could probably have worked Rutherford for less. Don't worry, Rutherford worked himself over after <laughs> with uh, the cap money he saved. He blew it all on a Brandon. <laughs> just won a bunch of money. I just got to raise at work. I'm going to go put it all on red on the roulette wheel. Yeah. And no, put it all on zero. Yeah, something that can't possibly win. I'm going to go put it all on blue on the roulette wheel. But uh, it became pretty obvious that P.O. Joseph wasn't going to have, at least in the short term, a significant role in the Coyotes. So, again, it's a pretty low-risk deal. All I am saying... He will be a top... Have reasonable expectations for Phil Kessel this year and understand the context in which he is playing and the teammates around him. Around him. You're saying and this, this is, is, different, <laughs> is different than what it was going to be because I, I just, if you think he's going to score 35 goals and 90 points this year, he's not. And you're going to be disappointed, and I think that's unfair expectations to have for him. I am going to get to listener questions now. Okay. Okay. And, Any of them about Phil Kessel? Uh, I don't know. I haven't read these ones this week. We have some good questions. Pat, why have the Chicago Blackhawks traded every one of their first-round picks from 2011 to 2017? Because Stan Bowman's a genius. more cowbell. Um, genius. Coach East Jack, are you the most famous person from your high school? If not, then who is? I don't know. So I, I can Craig. I have actually have Craig's answer. Isaiah Thomas, not not the Hall of Famer, but the other Isaiah Thomas, who was pretty good. Yeah, uh, he went to my high school. So Craig, said, I went to a couple high schools though. Did you? Yeah. I'll give my second. Uh, Craig's was Mark Zuckerberg. Oh wow! And okay. President Franklin Pierce. Where these two? Where top Craig two. go to college with at Bill Belichick's college too? Probably. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for me, I even though I'm from New York, I went to high school in the Valley. Went to Shadow That's Mountain. That's a long commute. 
Did you like carpool or? Yeah, what? I did a carpool. <laughs> wow. Took the Amtrak halfway okay. and yeah. then got on the jumped the rail car. That's commitment to shout just out. Like I did, just like I did to get to Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, so the answer is there's got to be either Mike Bibby or Kurt Schilling. Oh, Kurt Schilling. All right. Um, if covering this is from Eldon, if covering Hockshin was not an option, what sport you would mean hockey? What you said, Hockshin? Oh, if covering <laughs> hockey was not an option, I've been up since three a.m. every day. If covering hockey was not an option, which sport would be your preferred option? Although Jamie, you can answer my first question. If you couldn't cover Hockshin, what would you be covering? <laughs> uh, it would probably be uh, it probably be football. I would like. I mean, I cover. I, that's the one I haven't actually officially covered. Football. Yeah. I've done Major League Baseball, I've done NHL, I've done some college stuff, but I haven't uh, haven't done NFL. But that's that's kind of like what my side job is. So it would probably be NFL. That's what your side job is. I mean, I've I've covered I've covered all of the yeah, other. You've, you've, yeah, yeah, you've, um, you've checked every box. I kind of like covering all of them to be honest. There's there's a there's a I guess football. I guess I will say this though. There's something to be said for just being able to. Sit around with your friends and watch Red Zone, or go to a bar and watch Red Zone, or that's whatever. True. The Red Zone channel is the greatest invention of all time. Yeah, and when you cover football, that's your day. Like you don't really see the other games. Yeah, at, at least NFL covering college football is great. But uh, yeah, I mean they're all they're all good. But yeah, hockey's still obviously number one. Uh, since Craig is still on vacation and Jamie escaped his exile, that means Patchy Reddy should be traded any second now, or someone is about to offer sheet line A. Right? That's from Imagine the Garbage Pail Kids, but in outer space, which I still haven't done. You haven't imagined them, no. but in outer space? No. I've, I've gotten to the first part where I can imagine the garbage pail kids, but I can't put them in outer space yet. I don't know. I don't know how to follow that up. Next question. Patchy Reddy. Watch, just moving it on like Drew Rosenhaus. <laughs> Next question. Um, Patchy Reddy, you think he'll still be in Vegas when the season starts? I think so. Really? At this point. That's disappointing. Um, hmm. Well, let's see. After watching Luke Lipinski on live stream give play-by-play of a hot dog eating contest. Wait, when did you do this? Yesterday. Did you really? Oh, yeah. How did I not know about that? Uh, I didn't retweet it like an idiot, and now I feel like it's too late to retweet it. It was on the morning show here at Arizona Sports. Okay. Former Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl champion, Max Starks. We basically peer pressured him into trying to eat 30 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Hey, that's the best way to do it. And, uh, yeah, it's still... I'll retweet it. It's okay. still... I, I need to see this. Okay. It's a uh, live commentary from myself and uh, someone else who I won't give him the credit of putting his name on the show. Wow. Um, Dustin. So Dustin's the one asking the question. Which of the Natty Hattie crew would win a traditional Canadian poutine eating contest? Hashtag my money is on Jamie. I, I'm guessing that's the only thing that's ever been hashtagged my money is on Jamie. <laughs> I have to click on it and see. Um, it's just a bunch of frowny emojis. It's a lot of carbs. A lot of carbs in that poutine. Yeah. I think it still would be me. Yeah, it would be. Because yeah. Craig Craig only eats Burger King. I feel like... established that. Yeah, Greg... Or, or like tapas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not... Not the world's biggest poutine guy. Neither am I, to be fair. Okay. But I just feel like just quantity of food consumption, I could probably win. I mean, I don't hate it. It's just I, I would eat there. like a certain... I don't, I don't seek it out. Yeah. Does it seek you out? No. Oh. How many hot dogs do you think you could eat in 10 minutes? I don't know. Okay, good. I don't know. Like, there are good other dog. foods I have like a point of reference for, like chicken nuggets and donut holes and all the other stuff that's been asked to us in the past. Donut holes, yeah. No. No? Holes. Okay. All right. I, I look. I will. I will commentate you eating thirty donut balls in a minute or whatever you're supposed to do. Wait, I don't remember. So, it's supposed to be like a hundred. Hundred and you, you can't an do hour. Oh, in an hour? What was it, an hour or ten minutes? I, I don't it was ten minutes. Ten minutes is but it was, the specific, it was specifically it was specifically the glazed ones though, the okay. ones that are like the like the hollow. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I'm giving hand motions. <laughs> it's like you're telling me to talk through sign language. 
Um, ben writes in, Ben Schroyer, how does Jamie's head fit in the studio with his catchphrase winning the online t-shirt pool? That's a great question, I had to squeeze, Yeah, squeeze in. Are you actually happy that one? I think Where's Your Duck would have been such an easier shirt I, to make. I am happy that one, but it's going to be it's going to make our lives harder, yeah. Uh, I, I have a, a decent idea for what the shirt can look like. I'm scared now. Um, Pat writes in, is the LeBanc one-by-one deal with San Jose Creative Cap Management by Wilson or Cap Circumvention? No, it's just Creative Cap Management because of... Uh, the RFA status allows you to do so much. The teams have so much control. The player has no control unless he's going to go play overseas or something. You you really have no other choice. So you don't have a lot of negotiating power. There's a lot of these. Uh, Matthew, if Buffalo got Jokaharu for Nylander, could the Coyotes have gotten Jokaharu for Boquist and Boquist for Fisher? Uh, I don't think so off the top of my head. I mean, whoever knows what Stan Bowman is thinking. It's possible. Um, I I like Fisher. I mean, he's one of my favorite guys on the team to talk to, and I I don't think he's like done because he struggled in the second half last year. But I think if you're taking a global view of the league, people see Nylander as having more upside. Yeah, I mean, Christian Fisher doesn't have the same skill set upside, I guess, as Nylander, but I think he's a better player right now. He's more and of he, a Rick Tockett like And he might player. actually be a better player in the future. Like, yeah. I, I think his floor is higher. I'm, again, I'm not high on either one of those two players, but, I, I mean, right now, I would, Christian Fisher would be more productive in a lineup every day today than Alex Nylander, in my opinion. Uh, Charles Woodall Pike writes in, is Craig hiding in the same spot as Luke's duck? Hashtag, where's your duck? I want to get that hashtag going. Where's your yeah, duck? Yeah, where's your duck? Um, your duck would, might be in California. That That's... We should remember, wherever I order it from, if it comes from California, then yes, we will know Craig. We know Craig is somewhere in California, and he's on the move, by the way, too. So don't try to locate him, because he's moving up and down California. Although he told us where he was going, like on the air. That's true. So You should try to locate him. Yeah. If If, you can get in the car now. If you're in the area, show up, what did he say, Six Flags? Yeah. And just go ask him some arena questions or something. Just do that. He loves that, by the way. Yeah. Just go right up to him and say, are you Craig Morgan? And then ask him... Maybe even call him Greg Morgan or something. You, you, you like it even more if you like push his kids out of the way <laughs> while you do it. All right. Now, <laughs> we're at the point of the show where I can't sign off on anything Jamie is saying. Those children made us muffins. They did. And they were delightful. Hockey fan. Ooh, a hockey fan wrote in. Where would be your top hockey fan road trip? Well, hockey fan, we should be asking you. Uh, I need suggestions for this season's trip. Oh, wow. That just came full circle so that just blew my mind it did i, I can tell you didn't read the question beforehand as your comment i actually i actually did uh earlier but i didn't realize like i didn't read the names i didn't realize at um, all like we're all just pawns in hockey fans game so i haven't been to a, a lot of the arenas but the ones that i would like to go to uh, i would love to go see uh, little caesar's arena in detroit i think you have to go see that i think you have to kind of do that whole northeastern loop there so jamie's answer is go to detroit for your vacation detroit. no go to detroit toronto montreal make, make that little run there uh, jamie's skip, answer is go to the eastern skip, conference for your skip vacation. over buffalo because nobody wants to be there on <laughs> well, vacation they don't have Alex and they go to like anymore. msg so what's the point uh i can tell you and i have somehow never been to the city 90 percent of the people i work with in hockey players included all say nashville Oh, I, I have been to that arena. It's it's fun. That, I think they're I, just. It's not maybe the arena, but more so just the entire well, yeah, it's, city. Well, it's and the scene I, I don't have to. I don't have to like stand for Nashville. People know what it is. Okay, fine. Uh, Chris <laughs> Signs writes in. Why has no one signed? Wow. See now, there's all these like different levels to these tweets. Chris Signs. Why has no one signed Zingle yet? 
I don't know. That's a fair question. I don't know. I think it, he was somebody that Craig mentioned a few episodes back was somebody the Cardinals were interested in at one point. I don't, I'd, I'd imagine that they are not now, given the moves that they have made since the beginning of the offseason. But, oh. I mean, look, he had a terrible, terrible run there. Was it Columbus was the second half team? Yeah. Because it was bad there, which is why they didn't resign him. But I'm, I'm not going to kill a guy over a bad 40 games. I feel like he went from being dramatically overvalued like midway through the season to now being forgotten about. Yeah, he he might be one of those players that signs a deal that you go, "Well, wow, that's a really good value for a good team." But Let, yeah, let's 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 play the game. What team is going to end up getting him? Cuz he was 26 goals last year, right? Yeah. yeah. Depends it's on sad how that I know Ryan Dezingle's goal total without looking at it. It really is sad. I was going to ask you about about that. But it, again, it depends on does he want to go to a team that will pay him more or does he want to go to a team on a one-year deal that'll win? Because to me, I mean, if he wants to sign a Two and a half million dollar deal somewhere, like go to San Jose. Yeah, <laughs> um, he's so. I mean, he's still new to the league. I, if I'm Winnipeg. him, I'm, I'm getting paid. If I'm him, yeah. Now you can go chase well, a ring later. I think that's what you have to decide. Do you? What's the market for him? Is he going to have to sign a one year prove it deal again because of the second half of the year, or is he going to have, or is he going to be able to get a multi year deal maybe for less AAV than he was hoping for? Because uh, that changes the amount of teams that are in the equation. Because I do think that the Winnipegs and the San Jose's of the world could very much use a player like him, but they're not going to lock him in long term at significant money. No, well they can't. They don't have they the money. Can, yeah, they literally cannot. That, that's the thing. I mean, we're now at the point where it's mid July. The teams that can make a run at the cup don't have the money to pay you, unless you believe Colorado can make a run at the cup. They have the money to. I'd pay sign you. with Colorado if I was him. Uh, I'd sign him if I was Colorado. Don't try and pander to Colorado and pretend like you don't hate them right off the the face of the earth. Gilbert Anthony writes in, finally, some expert analysis. Thanks, Jamie. Well, I don't care for that one. Shout out to Gilbert Anthony. I'll, I'll he's he's like a bigger it. fan of me than my own family. He's a bigger fan of you than you are. I'm not sure about that. Well, that's hard, that's a high bar to clear. That's true. Um, but he's a good listener to the show, even though he clearly thinks that either Craig or I is Jamie because he heaps so much praise on Jamie. He must no, have no, the names no, mixed up. He's able to delineate. Uh, smart. Loyal Sif writes in, who do you guys think will be the biggest risers and fallers next year? I think the biggest riser will be the Ducks with all those great forwards coming and if they can get that Vezina-like goaltending like last year, faller would be split between Columbus or Winnipeg. Um, I, mean, we, I mean, we kind of touched on this already. I think the biggest riser overall is going to be the Rangers basically from where they were last year. I think they could see as much as a 18 to 20 point jump in their point total. They're, they're they had 78 points team. last year. They're a completely different team yes. now. Uh, as far as fallers, I have to imagine that Columbus falls off a cliff here. I thought they overachieved even a little bit last year, you know, touching, what, 98, 98 points that they had. Like, if them and the Rangers swap point totals, would you be surprised? The 98-78 swap? Would you no. be shocked by that? No. So I, that, that's my pick. I, I think the East is where the most of this turmoil is going to be, as we continue to say. The East is so wide open... Except for the Atlantic, where we already know what the three teams are going to be. Um, a lot of these other questions, I'm just kind of scrolling through our stuff. They're, they're topics we already hit on, so I'm not. I'm not like trying to ignore people. Domsky wrote in: Is Stan Bowman currently the worst GM in the NHL? Yeah, um, he. I mean, he's he's winning. It's is tough. He? Rutherford, Rutherford is trying to burn that franchise to the I, ground. I know, but like every for every like three bad trades Rutherford makes, he makes a decent one. Okay, what are the good so, ones? I thought the Castle trade. The original Kessel trade? Well, this one. So he can only make Kessel-related yes. trades. And they're like f- three or four years apart. Yes. Again, it's, it's a t- it's, again he's jumping up to like the second worst GM in this, the league. It's this, tough. This, uh, then he signed Brandon Tanev. I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, this Kessel trade was only good from Pittsburgh's perspective because they were getting cap space, and they wasted it all on Brandon Tanev. Don't make me make another analogy, because I will, and it won't be as kind this time. Uh, Kyle, who what is the one piece that... Well, what? Okay. Who what? 
is the one piece that the Coyotes could add to make them a favorite to make the playoffs. Well, I guess what would be Arena? Yes, but I don't think that changes their playoff no, chances. No. Uh, who? Um, individual scoring player that is realistic to like add? I mean, that's only Dezingle. There's not... Yeah. <laughs> who else I mean, I mean, I mean pie in the sky, you would... You know, if we're just talking like concepts, yeah, they still think they still need another score, scoring winger. Yeah, they yeah. still do. I don't. Again, I think Phil Kessel solves part of that problem. I don't think he solves all of that problem because the reality is, I think there might not be more than a. How many goals did Galchenyuk score last year? Seventeen, I believe, off the top of my head. Okay, that might be wrong. Well, let me look it up. So because I, it's it's this my is point. A, I'm going to make a is, fun game we're playing. You asking me to look stuff up on this Commodore sixty four computer over here while you're holding a laptop that who knows what you're looking at over there. Um, but either way, Galchenyuk did not hit 20. He had 19 goals last year. Okay. I think it's not unreasonable to expect Phil Kessel to score six or seven more goals than that. So have you solved your scoring problem yet? That's all. That, no, but I add think, Soderberg in too. Even that's, I, you know how I feel about Carl Soderberg. Okay, I think but, he's I mean, a 12-goal scorer. Like, I just, he doesn't, he's fine. He, again, he's he has 12 goals you didn't have. Sure, but like, eh. Like, that's all I'm saying. Is they've gotten better, but I don't think they've solved their goal scoring problems yet. So in this hypothetical world, they still need another goal scoring winger uh, or anywhere. Honestly, find a goal scoring center. James Namquist wants to come. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, more more goals is still the issue for this team. Yes. Um, is it possible you hate Carl Soderberg because he played for the Avalanche? Your most hated of all teams. <laughs> no, I just don't think he's that good of a player. Oh, okay. Um, that's probably about it. We haven't hit on the Marcus Johansson two year nine million deal. It's again solid deal. Um, it it sucks because he's been so good in the playoffs recently, and we'll never see him in the playoffs at least for not the next two years. So, because he's in Buffalo. Because he's in Buffalo. Yeah. That was the joke, Luke. That's, thank you for explaining. Well, the joke. you didn't say what team he was on, though. I thought you said the Sabres. No, I just said nine million dollar deal, and then you jumped in oh. with some hurtful comment about the city of Buffalo without identifying. Do, them. Who do I hate more, Buffalo or Colorado? Colorado. Is apparently. that a poll question this week? Uh, well, the poll question last week was which team had the most compelling off season. Coyotes won that. Which I'm not surprised. It was overwhelmingly the Rangers at first. Yes, because let's be honest, that's the right answer. And then I don't know if everybody in New York went to sleep because they're three hours ahead of us or what. But it was, the teams that we put on the list were New York, New Jersey, the Coyotes, and I forget who the fourth team was on the list, but they finished in like, Toronto because they have somehow taken... All, all had compelling off seasons. Yeah, they I did. Mean, they're all, all good choices, but no, the answer was the Rangers there. Toronto got no... Uh, they got like 5% of the vote. The Coyotes got the overwhelming uh, win over the Rangers... Um, so there's two more things I want to touch on quickly. They, I mean, we... the, the Coyotes' offseason has been compelling. Yes. It's just that the Rangers went out and got they Panarin might be the s- and Kako and Truba. Yeah. And... They're second or third for me. Like it's, it's tough to compete with what the Rangers and the Devils did. But, yeah. But the Coyotes did, had a really, let's just say they had the most compelling offseason in the Western Conference. Oh, look at that. Okay. I, the thing about the Rangers, too, they were probably the most forgotten team in the league for me last year. You, yeah, they you kind of were just. They weren't there. Th- yeah, they were just kind of there. They weren't bad enough to be notable. They weren't good enough to care about. They yeah. were just there. And now they're going to be. I mean, Panarin and Kako. That's yes. that. That alone. And Zibanejad's quietly becoming an it's amazing a, player. Zibanejad's a star. People yeah. are going to finally realize that this year. Yeah. So okay, what else do you want to talk about? Two James? things we want to talk show. about. One of them is complete nonsense. One of them I think is an interesting discussion point. Uh, if I'll you saw the the, the Seattle hockey team to be named later, uh, has their website finally up? And why does that matter? Well, if you've ever been on NHL.com and not wanted to stab your eyes out because it takes so long for everything to load and nothing's where it's supposed to be, you realize that they're all color schemed. Nothing's on- where it's supposed to be. That's, <laughs> that's a whole new level of trolling. You, you realize that everything is color schemed for your team. Yes. Well, if you take a look at, well, right now it's NHL.com slash Seattle. Yes. You could take a look at their color scheme. 
It's not the typical Seattle color scheme that you're used to in the sports landscape. Can you describe what the colors are, Luke? Um, it's like an off reddish orange. Yeah, like a salmony. Okay. And I, I okay, so I see what you're doing here then. And then like a pastel aqua. Okay. Yeah. So, so do we, we think the team's going to be the Seattle Pastel Aquas? No. Oh. Do we read anything into this? Is this is this the Seattle Sockeyes? Is that, like is that what this is going to be? Does um, you tell me, Mister Seattle? Do you do you read anything into this? Or is this absolutely nothing? I, well, it's not nothing because you're right. I mean, the NHL doesn't just randomly put colors up. They yes. could have just made it black and white or whatever. Yes, they could have done nothing, but they they actively put these colors on there. So uh, this is what is I'll this say: a smoke screen. I I feel like these could. Be the team's colors. I don't know if that definitely makes them the sockeyes. Though. Well, the, true, but it limits your options, I guess. It does. Also, I'm I'm scared of salmon colored hockey jerseys. Yeah, well, I will say this: or whatever this is, this, this, is. this is like a, a a darker color of salmon. Okay, right? Overcooked salmon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, salmon sushi. Genetically modified salmon. Genetic color? the Seattle genetically modified salmon <laughs> color. Um, Coming to the NHL soon. Yeah, now I, they really should do that where they just have little Easter eggs all over the site, and if you they can should. figure it out, then. But instead, they they don't have that. They just no, they're the NHL. They're not going to do anything. They have fun a picture of a bulldozer. All right, so that was the nonsense. The other one I think was at least worthy of discussing. Uh, this came out about a week or so ago, just before free agency opened. This is one thing. So I guess two weeks ago, timely so from Gord Miller. You shut your mouth, Luke. <laughs> How many hockey analysts from Canada are named Gord? Too many. I would say that's the overwhelming name. Yeah. Okay. Too many. It's too hard. But carry on. So one thing I would like to see changed with the NHL salary cap is an exemption of some sort, 25%, question mark, for players who were drafted by a team, have been with them for five plus years, and re-sign. Teams shouldn't be punished for drafting and developing well. So my question to you is, do you believe that there should be some sort of, even if it's not this plan, because I think there's a lot of problems with giving percentage exemptions of the cap should there be some sort of bonus a little bit like what the nba does beyond just adding an eighth year to a contract for players that stay with the team for an x amount of time the drafted and stay with the team for whatever it is five years ten years whatever it may be i wouldn't have a problem with that um i will say this having covered a lot of the nba over the last couple weeks with free agency and everything i i do think that of the four main sports, the NHL has their contract situation, salary cap, and everything. I, th- I think they do it the best of the four sports. The NBA is a little too complicated. Um, I think the NHL, I mean, and the NBA doesn't really have a hard cap. Like, you can just overspend and pay a luxury tax or whatever. The NHL, yeah. I, I think, actually has the closest to a, a really good setup. But I'm never against rewarding teams for drafting well and players for being loyal. So if you could do that in such a way where it doesn't completely skew the landscape of the league, then yes. But I don't want it to be where like I don't want this to be the 1960s where players never move teams either. We don't we don't want that. Otherwise, trade deadline day for poor James Toothy is going to be just it's going to yeah, be too much to handle. Too much. Yeah. yeah to, to me, I think there should be. It's tough because I do like that they have a hard cap because I I do think I, I know people. In bigger markets, and trust me, I'm a Yankees fan. I get the argument from the other side of, well, if you want to spend the money, you just be awesome all the time, be awesome all the time. I get it, but I do like that is how you guys sound. That is, but I do like that there's a hard cap because it does force some level of parity in the league. Yeah, 
I, I understand wanting to keep all the good players you drafted, but a lot of times it's not that teams can't keep all the players they drafted because they run into cap trouble with the players they drafted. They tend to run into cap trouble in free agency, in trades, in bad deals, or they're an organization that for whatever reason gets so cash-strapped that they can't actually afford to pay their superstar. Neither of those two problems get solved by adding an exemption. And to me, I think all that happens here is you allow the cash-rich teams like Toronto, for example, to just basically have a new cap. Yeah. That other teams can't use. Yeah, I mean, the one part I hate is for players who were drafted by a team. I, if you're going to do this, it's one guy. You can pick one guy. Yeah, I, you not. We're not playing this game where we get to keep Marner for forty million a year and Matthews for however much we want. No, it's one guy, and I tend to agree with you that it's not necessary. Because um, I don't think you can do it fairly. Because it, one, I don't like doing the cap exemption over the cap because then it gets iffy. Because who decides? You know what contract technically counts for that? Yeah, and there's going to be ways to circumnavigate it, and there's going to be teams that like really push the the spirit of the rule. Yeah, I, I can tell you what I think is necessary, sort of along these lines. It's not with the cap, but the we see it probably with three or four players around the league every year. The this guy's too good for junior, but we're going to make him stay there and stunt his development yeah. for no reason. Uh, that every team should have an exception there. I agree. You have one exceptional stats you well, can use and, on, on a player. And look, I understand that that whole thing came about because the CHL wants, they don't want to just lose all their, their great players, which, fine, I get that to a certain extent, but you're a developmental league. You'll just pour more guys in. You shouldn't be ruining and stunting the development of guys. We've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen it locally with guys yeah. like Dylan Strom. That's not the only uh, the team that goes through it, though. That is idiotic. Yeah, I mean, the Max Domi situation. Max Domi should have been in the AHL a year sooner than he was in the NHL, but they couldn't. the Coyotes couldn't do that because they didn't have that option. Yeah, you put teams, you put NHL teams in a situation where it's like, do you want your player to now waste a year when he's 19, let's say, uh, playing against competition that he's clearly better than to the point where he's not, it's not, he's not going to get any better playing against, playing for the Erie Otters or whatever in Strom's yeah. case. But again, this happens a lot across the league. Or do you want to force him onto your NHL roster so he can at least practice against NHL players, but he's not going to play. He's going to be in the press box seven out of ten nights at best. That That is the rule that needs to change. And again, it can't be just eliminate the CHL and give them no power, but every team should get one exemption. Yeah, I think that would work. I just I can't find another way to make this work. If you, if you, you want to get all the players under the cap, get all your players under the cap. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, there's just... Uh, That's a skill, too, don't you think? Yes. And, and I... I how many teams, again, I really want to look back, how many teams actually lose superstar players simply for the only reason because they couldn't afford the cap hit? Because that's not usually what happens. Players leave because they either want, like Tavares, Tavares yeah. he wants to go somewhere else and play for his hometown team. We saw him wrapped up in his blanket. Or in Ottawa, there are Carlson's case where they just didn't have money. Yeah. Or, it's not like the cap is the reason they didn't yeah, keep Carlson. Or players that have to move from other teams because they can't afford, because they've signed a lot of money deals elsewhere. Like you rarely just see. Simple, well, we just can't afford the cap hit. I guess it would have helped with Pavelski. That's about the only one I can think of yeah, off the top of my head. But you also but like why do you get why do you get a benefit of signing Pavelski like that when you sign Eric Carlson to a, a thousand year deal and Brett Burns to a thousand year deal and, and you see him saying like I, the I don't, more I think about this the more I don't like it. Yeah, I, I don't like all, this only helps like the Torontos of the world. Yeah, basically. The Toronto class, I should say. It's um, not just the one team. But no. I get, I get your players under the cap and, and again, stop stop giving 
I know I'm, I'm the one that always jokes about the compliance buyout, but stop giving bad GMs outs for their bad deals. Well, some of that falls on the other teams, too. There's as much it, it, Professional sports is as much about the skill in the front office as it is the skill on the playing well, that, That's the thing. That when is I, part of the game. When I first read this tweet, I... I agree with the spirit of team. The last sentence: teams shouldn't be punished for drafting and developing well. But you're right. The more we talk about this, they're not really getting. And I think that that is a skill. If you draft and develop well, that is a skill. But I also think a skill is figuring out how to maximize the salary cap that you have to work with, which is the same that every other team has to work with. Yes, I've hated about that about baseball for the longest time, and it's actually not as much of an issue now. I feel like as it was like five years ago. I don't want to go into a season where. Okay, well, the Maple Leafs are spending $99 million this year, and we just know realistically 20 of the other, whatever, 30 teams can't afford to do that. That's trash. I don't want that. I want a league where, yeah, the front office has to have the skill to develop and draft and everything, but also to find different ways. Like, you have the Coyotes taking on contracts they don't have to pay to add players, and you have Carolina and other teams doing that, and then you have other teams just overspending and and getting away with it because they got a high pick. There's different ways to manage your team right now. If if we switch to something like this, it would just be throw money at it. Yeah, and, and to me, like when I look at Toronto's case in particular, because I think this is why this is coming up with Matthews and, and Marner. And yes, you are going to run into this occasion where, let's say, you're in Edmonton, for example, with Drysaddle and McDavid, where you have two or more superstar players that you've drafted. To me, you don't get an exception because you also happen to sign John Tavares. Yeah, and also you so got you didn't sign the first John Tav- pick in the draft. You've already been rewarded. But if you didn't sign John Tavares, you, you could afford to keep everybody that yeah. you did. You didn't, Toronto didn't have to make any moves. So I, I understand the sense, but you don't get to say, okay, well, we get to t- take Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner or Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and we get to put them in a box in a corner. They don't count, and we still get to spend all this money elsewhere and yeah. then cry that we can't afford these guys. Yeah. You don't Be- get to do that. I'm sorry. Because typically, it, the only time you're ever going to have to pay those guys... Like basically max money from the very first time you can pay them is when you got them with the first or second or third pick. So you've already yeah. gotten handed something. Yes, and all, by the way, you've got three years or less than a million dollars to yeah. start their career. They're going to get paid typically. Now, sometimes they don't, but typically, at least for one or two years after, slightly less money than they should be making because of their RFA years. Sometimes they're not. Like we're seeing less and less of that with superstars, but it happens. Yeah. But you get that three-year gap. You know this is coming. You decided to sign John Tavares to an $11 million deal. You decided at the time to sign Patrick Marlowe to a two-year $13 million deal. You don't then just get a free exemption now. So no, I'm just angry at this tweet. It's just, again, I, I, I don't like well, it. And to be clear, this tweet's not saying a free exemption. It's saying anybody you draft, you can just overpay. Yeah, anybody you draft and keep for five-plus <laughs> years. Which, they well, haven't had Matthews or Marner for five-plus no, years. No, but, the, but does... If they sign a contract like that, does it then in year six start that's, to not count the anymore? They, like they I, would, they would circumnavigate it in such I, a way where they know. would sign Matthews for like a million dollars next year about, if, and eighty the year if after. If you're worried about signing, if you draft so well that you have all these superstars, then you're going to win. You know what happens? You're going to win, and but you know what also happens? You don't have the benefit of signing the top free agent too. No. Yeah. Sorry. Wow. We're going to end this show with Jamie making an emphatic good point. I think we should start over. Okay, let's go back to um, Minute one. Alex Nealander. <laughs> let's call Craig again off that uh, payphone he was calling from in the woods outside of Malibu or wherever he is. Uh, all right, anything else? No, I think we've already had like a 90-minute show. So uh, it was, It's still it's shorter this week than it was last week. All right, for Jamie Eisner, not for Matt Lehman because we forgot to tell him. Again, not we. And, and kind of uh, for Craig Morgan. Yeah. I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Bye, Craig.